Well, we've been covering relationships. A lot of people have come up to me and asked me different questions about relationships. Others, really thankful about some of the things they're learning. Others feel like, I've learned this stuff before. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's one thing to know something, and it's another thing to actually practice it. Amen? I mean, you can go through many relationship seminars, and oftentimes I feel that the people, they absolutely say, they say amen to everything, and they love it, but nothing go changes in their life. And they just repeat the cycle that the rest of the world is repeating. So these things that you are learning, I really want to challenge you to start praying about it and really dialogue with God and ask God to inculcate this into your very experience. I love what the book Patriarchs and Prophets says about Abraham, that Abraham was actually training the heads of other families. Through his example, remember what the last words of Abraham were? What were the last words of Abraham? Who knows? What were the last words of Abraham, the father of faith? Yes, over there. The kind of wife Isaac should marry. Thank you very much for sharing. And if it was important for the Holy Spirit to leave that as Abraham's last word, then last words, then it should be important for us to actually take that and apply it to our experience. So it's not just about our own relationships, ladies and gentlemen. It's about future generations that should come and the rest of the world too. You know, we're going to be learning about a very powerful couple today in Scripture. A very powerful couple. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to ask you a question. Ready for this? Someone please tell me what is the difference between courtship and dating? Yes. I don't know. I'm asking you. You tell me. <laughs> very good. She's very smart. Someone said over there. Who said something? Yes. What's the difference between courtship and dating? Uh, so it's like intentionality. So when you're doing courtship, you have the state of intention of seeing whether you're uh, marriageable, the two of you. Uh, when you're dating, it's just sort of interacting with someone of the opposite sex. Okay, so what you said and what you said are very similar, and that is courtship has the intention of what? Marriage. Does dating have the attention of marriage? Sometimes as a possibility. And more and more, ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to understand this. Dating is seen as the end. More and more in our culture today. It used to be seen as the means to the end, but now it's seen as the end. In other words, you're entering into this kind of committed, uncommitted relationship where you are just all about satisfying each other's uh, desires, yet being open that this may not work out and having the option to also leave as well. You know what? When I was actually out in the world before I became a Christian, to me, dating was seen as that. That is how all my friends view dating as well. Now, when I first heard about courtship, I thought to myself, courtship, and this is actually how I imagined a female and a male playing basketball together. That's what I thought courtship really was. I was like, courtship, huh? See, here's the thing. When you bring up courtship to the world, they don't really know what you're talking about. And they probably will think about Amish couples. Really. And then when you present dating, you tell people in, within the church, hey, we're dating. You know what they think? They think you're in some kind of sexual relationship. Do you see the problem? It has to do with terminology and it has to do with intention. Do not forget those two things. 
terminology and intention. And it's extremely important how you state it for yourself and for others. See, if you're not in that relationship with the intention of seeing that this could possibly lead to marriage, guess what? You're only in it to do things that will eventually be contrary to Scripture. Most couples, and I want to say this right now, and I mean this with all the love in the world. Most couples that I know that have been dating for more than a year and a half to two years to two and a half years have already had physical relationships. Most couples. Now, if that is the goal of that relationship, then it's successful according to that goal. But you see, God doesn't want that to be the final goal. God wants marriage to be the final goal, and that is for the very purpose of entering into a new phase of your walk with God and your walk with other people. Can you say amen to that? And so next week, we're going to be covering principles of courtship, or what we might call godly dating, okay? So however you want to term it, just remember the intentions of primary importance. This is for the purpose of eventually going into a very committed, special relationship that will be a blessing to the entire world. You know, yesterday I was talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and how they were united, and creation came as a result of that. You read in the very first two chapters of Genesis, man and woman become one, and the Bible talks about how they begin to procreate. This was to be a model of what the triune, uh, the trinity was supposed to be. Union leads to blessings. Union, lead, union leads to blessings. So just realizing this, this is extremely important. That if you're going to enter into some kind of romantic relationship, it's for the very purpose of uniting in marriage. Can you say amen to that? Okay, and then we'll cover that a little bit more. So I want you to pay attention to a very godly married couple that's found in Scripture. To me, they are probably the most powerful couple in all of Scripture. Take a good look at this. And this is talking about Paul. Paul found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, the emperor, had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them, so because he was of the same trade, now watch this, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were what? Now what can you tell me about this couple, really quickly? What is one characteristic they possess? We learned about this. They were industrious, very good. Hospitality, very good. Amen, you guys are learning. Okay. Take a good look at this couple, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to see something powerful about to take place. Here they are, Aquila and Priscilla, and Paul connects with them, and then they begin to join into a business, but also they begin to be very hospitable and bring Paul into their very lives. This is a couple that is open to the work of God, and this is what takes place next. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. Now watch this. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. What is the next stage of growth you notice about this couple? Ministry? Ministry? Very good. Anybody else? Working together. Working together. Very good. Yes, Josh. They're willing to go where God is leading. Do you see this? Here they are. They just spent time with the pastor, Pastor Paul, right? 
And Pastor Paul begins to work with them. They begin to grow in their ministry. Now they want to follow God as he is opening up doors for them. You know, here's the thing. Many of you are probably going to buy a house one day. And you're going to be paying off the mortgage for about 25 to 30 years. Hopefully faster than that, right? But some of you will never ever have a house of your own. And that's okay. Amen? Amen. Regardless of where you are at in life, it's extremely important to be open to where God may want to lead you and your spouse in the future. We always need to be willing to follow God. Notice this. The reason why God was bringing this couple in a connection with Paul is because they were to do a special kind of ministry. Oftentimes you see couples, they'll come together and they're just like, yeah. And then they come to the church. I always have this all the time. I'll have like a couple join the church. And I'm excited that they're there. And they just say something like this. Well, we just moved from Loma Linda. I'm like, great. And we really love your church. We really want to be part of your church. How can we transfer our membership in? So I'll say, okay. And then I'll ask this question. I said, well, where do you want to be involved? And they'll say, well, we're not really ready for that right now, pastor. And I'm thinking to myself, you better go to another church. (laughs) You know, this is extremely important. A lot of times couples, they're just like, yeah, we love Jesus. and, And they'll go to church, but they don't want to be involved. You see, this is not God's plan. Now, I know family is to be your first ministry, but it's not to be your only ministry. You see, what God wants to do with the godly couple is that he wants to present the most beautiful picture of God on earth, and God was involved in our life. Amen? He was Emmanuel, God with us. The Word became flesh and dwelt with us. The purpose of being in a relationship, a godly relationship, is to share the love of God in a greater capacity. Amen? So just start thinking to yourself, okay, if you're in a relationship, if you're not in a relationship, how can my future spouse or my current spouse glorify God more? What is our ministry? How can we be open more to the leading of God? And where is he calling us to be? It's so remarkable. We're going to be starting a church plant pretty soon. And I'm really excited to see and test people's character. I want to see what kind of couples are committed in my church being willing to drive 30 minutes to be a missionary family in that city. doesn't mean they live there, but it does mean that they're going to go out there and do ministry as a couple. And I'm excited to see what takes place as a result of it. So when you're thinking about marriage and you're thinking about godly relationships, ask yourself the question, how are we going to spread God's love more than we are doing right now? That is the primary purpose is to share God's love with a broken world. Now I want you to notice the next stage right here, okay? So here they are. They brought Paul into their home. Now they're following God's guidance. Now notice what takes place a little bit later on in their ministry, okay? Now a certain Jew named Wu, Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So here's Aquila and Priscilla. They're in the synagogue. And this mighty man of scripture gets up and he begins to speak powerfully. And many of the Jews are listening to him. Now watch what they say. Watch what happens next. But when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside. Now notice this. And explained to him the way of God more what? Okay, let me ask you a question. What did this couple do next? As they are growing in their ministry. 
Raise your hand. Yes. That's good. I like that. Anybody else? Yes. They were doing Bible studies? Are you sure about that? They explained to him? They explained to him what? The way of God more accurately. Through how? I'm guessing Bible study. Okay, very good. You got it right. I'm just giving you a hard time. This is my best friend right here, so I feel I can do that. Here's the thing. You know what this couple did next? They gave this man a Bible study. But notice this. What kind of man was this? <sighs> just read that right there. Now a certain... Okay, we know he's a Jew, right? Okay, what else can you tell me about him? Wait, what's his name? What kind of influence has been on his family? There's some kind of Greek influence upon his family. Born at where? What was that city known for? The library, right? I don't know if it was burned down at this time, but this is what was there. It was a place of learning. Notice this. An eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to what? Ephesus. Now notice how powerful this couple is. We think in our, we think in our ministry or in our church that... Powerful men can only be reached by powerful men. A lot of times we see somebody who may come to church, he may be someone, say, someone who's very affluent, someone who may be, let's just say he has some kind of political office, maybe he's a mayor, he came to church, and you know what we'll say? We'll say things like this. Pastor, you're the only one who can explain things to him. You're the only one. He asked us today, how can I learn to pray? We don't know what to do. You're the only one that can talk to him about that. I get that nearly every single Sabbath. Pastor, go talk to him. Because he asked us why we believe in God. We didn't know what to say. Are you kidding me? But notice this couple, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't so much eloquence and intelligence that won this mighty man. What do you think was a convicting power upon him? Okay, very good. Anybody else? Yes. Spirit working through them. Okay, how about you, Reed? Their sincerity that they actually cared about. Their sincerity, right? That's very good, by the way. Have you ever noticed when a godly couple is together, sometimes the man can be a little bit what? Logical, cerebral, and sometimes the lady is just think about it, men. They're more sensitive, right? More relational. Not always. Sometimes it can be switched. I've seen it switch. And you know what is happening? This man is utterly being convicted and convinced, seeing unity, seeing beauty come to him at the same time. Love was being manifested in a beautiful way, and it had conviction upon this mighty man. In fact, when you take a good look at the qualifications of the elders in the church, have you ever looked at them? It talks about in Titus and Timothy. They'll never say things like this. Make sure that the elder knows how to lead a church board. Make sure he knows how to count the money for church. Make sure that he knows how to go up stage and make announcements for church or say how to learn how to pray. You know what it says about the qualifications of an elder? Is he a good father? How's his family? 
How does he choose children? You know why? Because God intended the leaders of the church to be family men. And the reason why is because the church itself was to be in an organic kind of family structure. Do you guys get that? And so what this mighty man was seeing, he was seeing a family. And by the way, a husband and wife that are godly and committed are the most powerful kinds of witness. Amen. Amen? More than a converted Hindu preacher. A godly couple can have such a powerful influence upon people. You need to recognize this. Here they are. They have learned so much from Paul's ministry. They see the man. All they do, look what they do. They just took him aside. They took him aside. They said, hey, come over to our house. We're going to make you some a special K-loaf. Okay? <laughs> they bring him over to the house. And you know what they begin to do to Apollos? They simply begin to share with him the way of God more accurately. It doesn't say they were eloquent. All they begin to share was new light and new truths. And as he was hearing it, this man who was already listening to the Spirit of God was not just convicted by the Word, but by their godly example. It was powerful. Remember what I said to you? What is that trait that is so important to Old Testament patriarchs? What was that? Hospitality. And here they are, they're bringing him in, and they begin to share with him. And as they share with him, this man ends up being converted and becomes one of the most powerful speakers and teachers of the New Testament church. Think about that. And it wasn't a Paul who won him. It wasn't a Mark Finley who won him. It was just a lowly, tent-making couple that shared the way of God more accurately. You know, I have some couples in my church. They're so powerful. You know why? Because they're a husband and wife team that are both involved in ministry. Anytime they do something, they do it together. They refuse to do things separately. And so, like, whenever they're in charge of something, they're like, want the, I'll ask the guy during nominating committee, I'm like, hey, man, you want to be involved in this? And he's like, well, only if my wife is involved. And you know what is so unique is as they're both involved, they're able to bring a special blend that is attractive to the outside world. It is remarkable to see godly couples and the powerful effect it has. Now, I really love going to church members' house when I see a godly Husband and a godly wife, because when I get there, I feel ministered from both sides. And it's just a powerful thing. So when you're thinking about that spouse or that future spouse or the spouse you're living with right now, you want to start praying about how both of you can be involved in ministry. Like I said to you earlier, you're not going to be staying in Loma Linda the rest of your life. Maybe some of you, but most of you, especially if you're on the PhD MD program, you'll be here a long time. <laughs> No offense, Miguel. <laughs> but think about this. You're going to be leaving. And when you leave, it is God's purpose for you to spread your wings and to be a blessing and a connection to your local church. You need to go to that local church and you say, Pastor, where do we need to be involved? Well, we need some help over in the children's department. Imagine a husband and wife teaching there. A lot of people who are coming to church have broken families. They have absentee fathers. Some of them have dead mothers. Sometimes they're divorced. Sometimes these children have no parents whatsoever. Some of them have been abused, mistreated, 
abandoned. And as they're coming to this church, God wants godly couples to minister to them and to share the love of Jesus to them. Can you imagine the profound effect that would happen upon this world if we instituted that principle more and more? Next time I want to hear about some couple come from Loma Linda, they come to me and they say, Pastor, we want to be involved. I say, praise the Lord. But that's the way it should be for you. Amen? Amen. So when you're thinking about godly couples, you're thinking about godly relationships, you're asking the question, not, the, not just how is this about us, but how can we bless the world in a greater way? Now I want you to see something else that takes place next. Okay, you ready for this? We just saw this couple being hospitable. They brought Paul in. Now they're following God's guidance. Now they're winning souls. I want you to see how the scriptures actually leave the story of Aquila and Priscilla. Notice this. This is Paul speaking at the end of the book of Romans. Greet Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila. Notice this. My what? What is Paul equating them with now? He's like, these people are just like me. Now notice what he says next. In Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also to the churches of the Gentiles. Not, notice this. Likewise, greet the what? Church that is in where? Wow. Did you see this, ladies and gentlemen? You see, this is God's plan for godly couples. That eventually their home would become a place of worship where all people were invited. You know, you asked me when I first became an Adventist, if you were to ask me the question, I remember a single sermon the pastor preached. I can't remember anything. But if you asked me about the church members who invited me into their homes, I remember every one of them. I remember those. I remember those things. I can't even remember what the pastor talked about my first time in church. Or ever, actually. I can't even think about that. Any sermon he preached. And he was a decent preacher. But I can remember when church members would say, Hey, come over to our house for lunch. We want you to come over. Come on over. Okay, I'd go over there. I remember church, just throughout my whole Adventist experience, families that would invite me into their homes, and it was just a powerful experience. And I always thought to myself, that's exactly how I want to be. They modeled love and joy. They weren't perfect people. They weren't perfect people. But they did their best to minister. And they were sharing food, very hospitable. They, they answered questions. I had so many questions, okay? Just imagine how much I talk. I had so many questions, okay? <laughs> so many questions. But they welcomed me into their home. You see, here's the thing. God is not just wanting you to be concerned about the house you're going to be paying off one day. He wants you to make that house a home, a garden of Eden, a place of communion where the angels love to dwell. And you know what that includes? Ready for this? That includes daily worship on three levels. Number one, your personal worship time with God. Number two, your worship time with your spouse. And number three, your worship time with your family. Now, you may spend 30 or 40 minutes, maybe an hour spending with Jesus in the morning, but you don't spend that amount of time with the couple in, your, in that gully. You only want to just do, you know, 10 minutes, maybe a little less. 
And when you get to the family, and I love the spirit of prophecy because it's so practical. It's just a short thought. You ask a couple questions, and then you say, somebody please pray. And from that delightful time will become this experience that will be embedded in the minds of children. And you can invite other children. These kids will bring their kids. One time I actually knocked on a door when I was doing some call portering. Knocked on a door, and this lady answered. And uh, it was so funny. She answered, and she put her hand on the door, so I somehow couldn't see what was going on inside the house. And I was like, okay. And I was talking to her, and I was selling these books, and she just had this really look of just anxiety on her face. And I was thinking to myself, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, this little girl comes up underneath that arm, and she's like, I've seen those books somewhere. And I said, you've seen these books somewhere? And then I said, oh, you're a Christian, huh? Yeah. And she says, this is my aunt. And the aunt just started shaking her head when she realized I was an Adventist too, and she was too. She was just not excited about buying any books. <laughs> and the little girl, I never forgot what that little girl said right in front of her aunt. She said this. She said, yeah, God's been using me. And I'm like, this is like a seven or eight-year-old girl right here, okay? And she was just, she was the one that was talking. She was like, God's really using me here. And she said this. She said, I actually told my neighbors to start coming to church with me, and they've been coming to church, and their parents got baptized. And I'm like, this little girl is like the next Mark Finley right here. More powerful than I am. Powerful speaker, you know, and she's convicting, winning their neighbors. And I thought, what a godly influence her family has had upon her. Her parents were teaching her well, except for staying with the aunt. But the part about teaching with the aunt... But you get my point. See, we can know this stuff and we can say, I believe in this stuff, but we need to start praying about this stuff and start making those decisions today. If you're thinking to yourself, well, in the future, I'm going to have worship with my you know, spouse and it's going to be exciting with my family. It won't happen unless you start having worship with God today. To carve out that time and say, Jesus, I want to spend this special time with you. And you will find as you have that special time, you're going to want to share that special time with others. And that will be the most strongest part of your relationship. You know, I always have loved house Bible studies, okay? Every Friday night, I have a Bible study at my house. Let me show you what my Friday night Bible study looks like, okay? That's not it right there. That's actually in Latin America. <laughs> this is my house. It's like... Well, five feet long, you know, and five feet wide. It's not very big, okay? It's really wide. It's really long, but it's not really wide, okay? It's like we're in a giant canoe, okay? And I sometimes have 30 to 40 people at my house Friday night. This is how it goes, okay? We have a simple dinner, starts at 6.30, and then I'll lead out in a Bible study, okay? And as I lead out in this Bible study, it is so remarkable, all these people want to get involved. I just It's an informal Bible study discussion, and everyone's asking questions. Let me tell you something. From this house Bible studies, Bible workers have come. Pastors have come. Evangelists have come out of this Bible study that I've been running out of my house for the last five and a half years. Baptisms have come. Sabbath school leaders have come out of this house Bible study. And I'm saying this not because there's anything special about me. I'm just a regular guy just like you, but I use my house and I want it to be a place of worship and something that glorifies God and God is blessing that and he can do the same for you. Take a good look at the size of the house. I mean, it's a shack. It's pink on the outside. It's in the middle of a dirt lot 
and there's a German Shepherd who barks non-stop. If you want to think about a place that is so inconvenient, it's this place. But people are coming. You want to know why? Because of the atmosphere. And this is what God wants to do with each and every one of you. He wants to make your home a blessing, a church. So all who are coming in will hear more and more about the truth of God. Can you say amen to that? We're going to end with a very special song. I'm going to invite Jackie and Josh. You know, the Bible says something so remarkable. It talks about something, and it says this. Let me pull it out real quickly. It's a powerful verse in Scripture. Hopefully I have it here. Okay, I don't. But anyways, it goes like this. It says, A threefold cord is not easily broken. When you think about a cord and the various strands, sometimes there's two strands, and that cord can be easily broken. But a threefold, in other words, another strand, the cord becomes strong. And when you think about your relationship with people, if Jesus is invited into that, that relationship will reach heights and depths that you would never have been able to reach without Jesus. God wants to bless you. Why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you. Just reminded as we're pondering the future, thinking about love. Lord, help us not to neglect the present tense, the time in which you are willing to pour out your great love to us. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to wait till tomorrow. Try to go back into yesterday. But even now, God, we can have that love. Regardless of where we are at, whether we know who you are fully or we have known you for years, Lord, bless us. The Bible says God is love. And we can learn the most about love from you, Jesus. So I just pray that every person's heart would be full and blessed. And as the beautiful Sabbath is approaching, God, bring us back tonight for the meeting as well so we may learn more about you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.